What is up, everybody? Welcome to Mental Dimes Bump and Run episode number 10. As always, Trip here with you with T-Mac. You already know him, hitting off tees and draining threes. Uh, here for all your sporting needs. Before we introduce our guest, uh, talk a little bit about the ways you can interact with us. Uh, please check out our website, mentaldimes.com, for all your sporting needs. Uh, if you're into betting, we've got uh, really good betting information there. We've got all the major sports covered. Uh, if you want to interact with us about college football on Twitter, at Mental Dimes CFB, hit us up. If you want to interact or talk directly to me, at NG Triplet, at TM Swish, so hit us up. Uh, and then uh, at Mental Dimes uh, Twitter as well. Uh, right now, we'd like to introduce a special guest with us tonight. This is Joseph Settle. He is a writer for Mental Dimes. Also, he attends New Mexico State University as a sports journalism major, and he writes for their newspaper as well. And he's going to bring us some insight on a couple of football games starting this Saturday. Can you all believe it? The football college football season is here. We made it, man. We made it. And I'm, I'm ready. I, yeah, like Joseph said, man, we made it. It's uh, this, this, this is the worst part of the off season is when you get close and it's just it's just eating at you. You know you're a couple weeks away. So uh, I'm ready for it, Trip. Absolutely. Well, it's here. Joseph, uh, appreciate you joining us, jumping on. Um, let's just jump right in and get it, uh, get after it. Uh, New Mexico State, uh, they've got a new head coach uh, this year. Yes, uh, you can talk a little bit about that. And they are, uh, they've got a game this Saturday. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts. I know you interviewed the head coach, uh, did an article about yeah. that. Tell us a little bit about him. What should we know? Yeah, Coach Kilman. He he's a program builder that's what he's been known for he started at d2 actually playing in uh coaching in the miaa conference uh i attended a college previously that was in that same conference so i thought that was interesting um everywhere he's gone he's just rebuilt programs that's what he does um and this is one of those jobs where it's kind of it's kind of like unm and utep it's one of those places that they just call an impossible like place to work um, you, you usually get a really long leash just because of location. Um, I like Coach Kill. I think he's going to do a lot of great things. He runs the ball a lot. We have some great running backs in the backfield. We did lose our main starter in the transfer portal to Syracuse out of Juwan Price, but we brought in some players. A player, I can't remember his exact name, but he followed him from TCU down here. Uh, should know that playbook pretty well. Um, got a transfer corner from Michigan. We got we got a lot of good players coming in transfer wise. Um, Nevada didn't do a lot of research about them, but they have a lot of the same questions we have. Where um, and we, I mean New Mexico State, uh, got a whole new coaching staff. They're replacing their quarterback from last year. It's a lot of question marks. In fact, speaking of question marks, let me look down here in uh, New Mexico State's uh, depth chart. We had multiple ors meaning that there was one position that qb was one of them it was between diego and i can't remember the other one's name but it literally had or so we no starting qbs have been announced from either side but at nevada it's either going to be nate cox or shane illingsworth from the oklahoma state transfer um they also had ors at running back as well so but they also run a dual system like dual running back system so more likely it's an and instead of an or um, the two teams have only played 18 times, um, with, I believe Nevada leading it 14 to two. 
um, and actually have never lost in Las Cruces. Um, but it should be a it should be a great atmosphere. As uh, yesterday it was announced that there's just a, over just under four thousand tickets left to be sold out, and that's to the general public, not including the student section. Um, the stadium could fit like twenty eight thousand, some close to there. So we're trying to sell it out, and I think the over under set like at fifty something, and the spread is Nevada by like nine. So something just a little interesting. Um, but that's with no one knowing really what these teams are going to bring to the table with new coaching staffs and a lot of question marks on offense. Hey, hey, Joseph, yeah. uh, Trip. Uh, let me let me get. Let me, yeah. I was gonna ask Joseph real fast. What's the buzz like up there in in, in Las Cruces, man? Because I, I I know anybody that doesn't know know that area, New Mexico State. You know, you're right there. You're you're just outside El Paso. I know you're on the of course mm-hmm. on the New Mexico side, but you know Las Cruces right there, El Paso. And with UTEP really getting a UTEP really getting up and running and getting a good solid program built over there. What's the what's the buzz right there, Las Cruces, El Paso area? Because you got two two really good football programs that are that are on their way up. It it's an interesting time because UTEP they can talk their trash. They did beat us last year. Um, I went to a bowl game. Um, they I believe only have to sell I think just over six thousand more tickets to sell out the Sun Bowl. Um, <laughs> their fans are killing me on Twitter. I said that New Mexico. I said that the best team in the Borderlands is going to play Saturday, and they got in the comment section and disagreed with me. But it's fun now. It's a good time. UTEP fans, I love engaging with them on uh, Twitter. Uh, it's exciting times as the even their basketball team's improving. If we want to touch on that, um, they are playing uh, North Texas. North Texas has beaten them. Let's look at the stats. Get the numbers correct here. I'll tell you what, you guys are fun to watch in basketball in New Mexico State. They're one of the best small college basketball teams. And I know our sister uh, sister podcast, the the NCAA guys over there on the basketball podcast, mm-hmm. probably talk about you guys a lot. That's yeah, just a little tidbit right there. Yeah, Sorry. it's it's it is a good time. And as Coach Kill said, just to respond to the buzz around Las Cruces, they I think this coaching staff just connected with the community a lot better. If uh, not to trash on the old head coach, but there were some times where, like last season, he didn't even wear our merch because he was in that contract dispute. Um, but it's been, especially with us replacing our women's and men's basketball coach as well, they went on a caravan throughout the summer to meet alum everywhere. They're, they're very engaging in the community. After uh, some spring practices, uh, the players came out and shook hands with all the play people that took time to get out of their way to come and see them play. Um and obviously we're trying to sell out the stadium. That's it, There's quite a buzz here as people will just love Coach Kill and what he's brought to the table. That's great. You know, several years ago, I got to see um, at the time, uh, Texas head coach, Matt Brown, who's now back in North Carolina speak. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, you know, when, when you take over a program, uh, of course, at the time you take it over, it, it doesn't appear uh, to people from the outside that it's a good job. Otherwise it, it wouldn't be open. It would stay. Um, so it, it definitely takes a, a special kind of coach to come in, particularly with the with the type of year they had last year uh, and want to come in and, and rebuild that. And, and kudos to, to him and his staff for uh, bringing some energy, like, as you said, uh, engaging with the community, getting getting people excited. You know, I, I really knew very little about him. And uh, I wanted to talk about him because of how much you hype him up on social media. And I see people uh, responding and and I put out a little poll yesterday and I and um, I don't think I put them on it. And 
I got a bunch of people. No, we want to see. This is the game we're looking forward to. So, you know, whatever he's doing, it's definitely working as far as getting people excited. Uh, I assume you're going to be at the game uh, this this weekend. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna be at the game. I'm gonna be in the student section, getting loud right behind Nevada. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there talking my trash. That's for sure. Okay, and you mentioned that uh, you thought maybe the line was about nine, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that that's what the the line is. Give us your pick. Uh, how do you see this game unfolding? And and you can give us two picks if you need to. If you want to give us one pick with your heart and one with your head, you can do that. Or you can go all in with New Mexico State Aggies and, and let us have it. You know, unpopular opinion, but I think it's going to be closer. I, I, I Weird things happen at New Mexico State. Usually it involves our baseball team. Weird thing happens at the skew. I believe in Coach Kill. I think we're being a little underrated. I can. It's going to be close either way. I see a 28-24, something along there, New Mexico State winning. I, I have New Mexico State winning in an upset, but it's going to be close. I'll, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, you're talking about betting a little bit. I've got, got everything, all the games pulled up for the, this opening weekend. That, that's really not a – you know, because it's kind of a – you know, a both t- – uh, it's not a bad pick, you know, they're going to give New Mexico nine points right there. I like, you know, if they're going to give them nine already, that's not a bad betting option right there. And, and honestly, being a home game, you know, you guys are going to be wild and rowdy there in Las Cruces. So that's not going to be an easy game right off the bat for Nevada. And uh, you've got, you've got Nevada minus three twenty-five. or this is money line. And then New Mexico state two fifty-five. So honestly, uh, betting on you guys this weekend is not the worst idea. So we'll see. All right. We have 30,000 people yelling at you. It can get a little loud. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what are you, uh, what are your thoughts? You know, obviously last year, um, uh, I think two and 10 overall, what do you, you know, obviously nobody is, is expecting miracles, but what do you think is a reasonable um, improvement this season for uh, Jerry Kill and his staff and the New Mexico state Aggies? What do you think is uh, reasonable and, and where do you think they are next uh, this coming year, next year, and maybe uh, three years down the road? Looking at everything I've read, everything I've heard, I could see us, aside from the Power 5 games where we play Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Missouri, and maybe Liberty, I could see us flipping a coin and winning, winning or losing. I think we're actually going to be more competitive. It all just depends on ball security and stuff like that, you know, the basics to winning football games. Yeah, um realistically I, I could see four and eight and I think that would be a little decent um I do see us beating Nevada I could I think UTEP's got our number this year again um UNM I could see us beating um FIU I'm leaning a little bit towards us and I believe also we will beat Lamar I can promise you we'll beat Lamar right. so I see at least four four and eight which isn't that bad of a season considering we've only won made it to one bowl game since like 1990 something. And it's been a struggle. Um, but if coach kill can do what he does as done everywhere else, I could see two, three years bowl eligibility, like at least consistent, like six and six, seven, five, somewhere around that range. And just, that's a tough schedule. I look at it. I was looking at the schedule too. That's a tough schedule. You got, you guys got, they're not a, they're not holding back, so I like I like him going after here in year one for him. So yeah, for sure, for sure. But hey, we don't have to play Alabama this year, so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice. That's, that's got to be a that's got to be a good good thing there. Oh, I remember I was at a car wash for my fraternity, and 
they were <laughs> we were checking the score on a Saturday. We're like, oh hey, we're in the lead. That lasted <laughs> like thirty seconds. It was like three, and that was the last time I believe we scored that game. It was crazy. Yeah, I think it was fifty nine. Glad <laughs> glad we don't got to go through that again. I don't blame you. All right, hey, let's um, let's switch gears here. Let's talk about uh, another game that that has some ramifications for New Mexico State. Let's talk about. Um, University of Texas, El Paso, UTEP, and uh, North Texas, the Mean Green. Uh, oh, last yeah. year, uh, UNT won 20 to 17. Um, obviously, uh, North Texas was, was really interesting last year. They started one and six and then finished six and seven. Uh, highlighted their season. They, they upset UTSA. Uh, we we kind of talked about that on, a, on another podcast. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, this game coming up? How do you guys see this going, and, and are you excited for this game? I, th- I happen to think this is going to be a really interesting game. Yeah. Going 45 minutes, literally 45 minutes from stadium to stadium. Going away, uh, UTEP, North Texas has dominated them recently. In the last 15 minutes, it's been 12-3, and three, um, and Miners haven't been in the main green since 2016. Um and then lost the last five games. Um, but on the flip side of that, UTEP has kept things close, and they've only lost three of the last four, have been decided by either two or three points. It's it's a little close. I feel like it's going to be the same thing as the Nevada game. It's close. I'm going to lean towards UTEP winning just because of the consistency and like with Coach Dana. Um, and really, let me pull up my notes here from earlier. It, as as I stated in one of my articles about their season, they were six and one when allowing fewer than 140 rushing yards, and were one and five when allowing more. Um, so that defensive line, linebacking core, have to get in there and stop the run. And then they were five and two when they had two or less turnovers. So there's fundamental football: stop the run and don't turn the ball over. And that's all they got to do. The they did lose a key player last year, Jacob Cowing, but they also kind of replaced him in the transfer with. Marcus Bellin, he's a wide receiver, kick returner. Um, he's pretty good from what I've heard. Um, they got a lot of energy down there in uh, El Paso. They have their fans are letting it known that they they went to a ball game last year. They're I'm quite surprised proud of that. I'm surprised, Coach Tripp. I'm surprised that's a pick'em game. I figured I figured UTEP would be pretty heavily favored, but uh, UTEP coming off a seven and six year being it's not it's not easy to play at the Sun Bowl either. I mean, like Joseph saying, I mean, his fans are rowdy. It's, that if, if you've ever seen the Sun Bowl, it's it's a pretty neat little little stadium. It sits down there in a bowl and everything, and uh, it, it it can generate a lot of noise in in there. In there. So um, I would I would think UTEP would take that one pretty easily. But who knows? I mean, I don't know. Um, um you know, it's it's gonna be, it'd be an interesting one. You know, Coach Latrell up there, North Texas, is gonna have his guys ready week one. Yeah, you know, um, Joseph alluded to it, UTEP making a bowl game for the first time since 2014 uh, last season. So they're looking to go back to back. Um, So they've got a couple of DBs coming back, uh, Tyson Wilson, Dennis Barnes. They were third and fourth uh, for the team in tackles last season. Um, You know, we talked when we talked about North Texas and Seth Luttrell, you know, it's zero and five in bowl games up at North Texas. And, and we talked if it weren't for his uh, finishing last season, you know, uh, on that tear and beating UTSA, he's probably out. Yeah. So uh, he's probably still uh, coaching for his job. Um, obviously, there's been a, a QB battle 
um, up there um, uh, between Grant Gunnell um, transferring from Arizona, Memphis, and Austin Ahn, who's been at UNT for three years. Um, so really, um, I, I, I don't think that uh, Latrell can really – afford not to not to come out hot this season he may not make it through the season so i think it's it's really um while one game this is not the only uh must win one game but i think he's got to start hot whereas utep i think uh dana dimo they're on an upswing you know they're seven to six they made a bowl game for the first time they're looking to make it back so i think these coaches are in two wildly different uh situations um with what they're coaching for uh, one of them is clearly building a pro, uh, program, and the other, I think, is coaching for his job. Um, real quick, got a comment here. This is from another Mental Dimes writer, Jamie Malloy. Um, it says, sub trip. Glad you have Joseph on. We love our college football. Can't believe it's time. So uh, another fanatic here with us, uh, super excited about college football. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a – I'm just not a believer in, in North Texas – um, as I said, they finished strong and, and, and I don't want to say it was a fluke because that's, that's taken away from what those players and things did, but I don't know that they can duplicate that going forward. So I think this game is, is, uh, UTEP is going to win this. Um, and I think it's going to kind of really, uh, set the stage for them to have a, a pretty highly successful season and uh, a couple things go their way and they're, they're bowl, they're bowl bound again for two years in a row. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts there? I agree. I got I got UTEP winning um, just because of the consistency at QB, not having anything to worry about there. Um, some wide receivers have to step up after losing Cowing, but nothing too insane. Um, they, they're loud. Those those fans, even in our stadium last year, were getting loud. Uh, and now it's the pack, uh, pack out the Sun Bowl, the, the Sun Bowl, and. They're, it's also their nine one five. They're starting that whole initiative down there. Both yeah, communities are excited about what's going on down here. Yeah, I, I agree too. I agree too with you, Trip. I I think you go ahead. Go ahead. I, I know. I, I think UTEP's going to handle their business. I do too. Um, one another note. Uh, Gavin Henderson. He was uh, through for over thirty two hundred yards for UTEP last season, the fifth most in school history, and he's the first QB at UTEP since 2009 with over 3,000 yards. And so he'll be back. Uh, they did lose uh, Justin Garnett and Jacob Cowing, well, one to graduation, one to a transfer. Um, but uh, again, I think it sounds like we all agree that uh, UTEP is, is, is taking this one, avenging that three-point loss last year and setting the stage to go back-to-back -back bowl games. Um, all right, so let's talk. Um, let's jump over to another game. This game is being played in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> is uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers versus Northwestern? Um, this game is interesting just because uh, you know when I was growing up, I'm obviously much older than y'all. Nebraska, man, they were a powerhouse. They were back-to-back -back national championships. Uh, obviously, Scott Frost, uh, their their head coach now, played for them. Was highly successful. You know, he goes on to be a, a, a highly successful OC. Obviously, he goes down to uh, UCF, has that undefeated season, um, looking like he can do no wrong. And fast forward, now we've got five consecutive seasons without a bowl game appearance for Nebraska. Um, so uh, the one thing I'm uh, really interested in, and, and I think this is the right move, I'm surprised 
that they haven't gotten rid of Scott Frost, but I think it's the right move that they haven't. Uh, and uh, if they can show a little patience, I think it's going to pay off. He brought in um, Whipple, uh, Mark Whipple, who'll be the OC, who coached uh, Kenny Pickett at Pitt. So I think uh, them showing some patience, and I don't know if they have that same patience if, if, if he wasn't one of their own, but I think it's the right move. Um, they've got uh, some talent coming in. They've got a transfer quarterback uh, out of Texas in Casey Thompson. He threw for uh, over 2,100 yards, yep. 24 TDs, uh, and nine interceptions. They got another transfer in uh, Chubba Purdy from FSU. Very limited action. We don't. He's an unknown. And then they've got a, a, a returner, uh, Logan Smothers. Again, uh, very unproven. But uh, so that's some of the upside for him. Last season, they only scored 30 points two times, and one of them was against Northwestern, and the other was against Fordham. Um, but what was I found interesting is they are second. They were second in the Big Ten in total offense. So they could move the ball between the 20s. They just couldn't always punch it in. Um, so I think uh, they've got a chance to, I think, really turn a corner here. They were 3-9 and nine last year, 1-8 and eight overall. Uh, same uh, record as, as Northwestern. Obviously, Nebraska beat Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern, we all know the, the cliches. It's, it's hard to recruit there, and uh, the admission standards are very high. Uh, but they have had uh, their years where they've been very successful. Um, but so I think this is a really interesting game uh, to see if we get an old version of Nebraska. Um, you guys have thoughts on, on this particular game? Then I'll get into a little bit about Northwestern as well, but I wanted to talk. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joseph. Nebraska, I'm pretty sure last year lost nine games, but they were all like single digit losses, weren't they? Like, like they never lost by more than nine or something like that. Yeah, they were they were more competitive than their record showed it, for sure. I believe if the defense improves and they can just finish drives, like you said, they they were getting to the twenties. They just weren't getting in. They could get into the end zone. I could see them winning a couple games. That's probably why they kept Scott Frost. That and he's one of their own. You don't want to fire one of your alums. But I firmly believe it was because they were competitive and Nebraska's they've kind of sending shots at Texas here. They realize what Texas is doing, getting new head coaches, giving them three, four years, having right. mediocre success, and then replacing them with someone else is not the answer. So they slowed down, given Scott Frost, because obviously if you're not losing by double digits every game and single digits, you can probably give him a little bit of leeway. But he'll, he'll be coaching for his job, I feel. You know, no, I – Oh, I'm sorry, Trip. No, I was going to say I totally agree with you guys. I think Scott Frost definitely on the hot seat a little bit. I, you know, it, like Joseph's saying, you know, these guys don't want to get rid of one of their own. Uh, you know, Scott Frost, you know, obviously have had a lot of success in in the past. Uh, you know, prior to getting to Nebraska, um, and, and, and you know that you know that they adore him. You know, I, same kind of situation happened a few years ago with uh, you know Trip. I know you've uh, talked before how much you know I keep up with Texas Tech and everything. You know thing with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he was – Cliff was – was could have been fired years before he did, but they, they just wanted to hang on to Cliff and everything. I think I think Scott Frost is uh, coaching for his job this year. I do uh, agree with that, but I, I like what Joseph said right there. I, they don't want – they don't want to get rid of Frost. They want to keep him around. They want him to succeed. Um, but what was, what was the next point you were going to make? 
Well, I think, you know, if, if they're wanting them to succeed, I think they're doing the right things. You know, they brought, mm -hmm. like, they brought in Mark Wickle. They brought in those uh, QB tr uh, transfer from Texas. They've also got uh, Terry Palmer, receiver from LSU, coming in, another Texas product, uh, Marcus Washington, a receiver. Um, and then um, you may know this name, uh, Isaiah um, Garcia Castaneda uh, from New Mexico State. Uh, and then they've got uh, – um, Omar Manning returning. Um, so I, I think that they're, they're making obviously an effort. They're not, uh, you would not expect Nebraska to be satisfied with this and they're not. Um, I really think the Mark Whipple thing is going to be huge. Um, and if he can develop Casey Thompson, uh, the way he developed Kenny Pickett, uh, I don't think getting the ball in the end zone will be their problem anymore. Um, so defensively, I think is where they really need to, um, Focus a little bit. They had uh, 12 takeaways last season, and Garrett Nelson had five sacks. But beyond that, uh, there wasn't a lot to write home about defensively for Nebraska. So I think they're on the right track, particularly looks like offensively they're getting some things figured out. They, they've got to get that, that defense that used to be uh, the staple running the option on offense and then that defense, uh, the black shirts. Uh, so they need to get back to that. Um, on the flip side, we look at Northwestern. You know, Co uh, Coach Pat Fitzgerald has been there 17 years. Uh, that's that's highly tenured for for any sport, any coach. He's 109 and 90 uh, coaching wise, so uh, very respectable there. Um, he's got a little bit of a, a quarterback battle uh, there. Ryan Helinski, who is ended up being the starter last year, played in nine games, 978 yards, three TDs, and four interceptions. So he didn't when he got the opportunity didn't didn't nail it down, didn't solidify it. Um, so there's also a redshirt freshman, uh, Brendan Sullivan. Um, the, the word on, um, from, from Pat Fitzgerald's been saying is that they both uh, done very well in camp. So that's coach speak for either I haven't decided or I have decided and I'm not going to tell you who the quarterback is. So we'll have to wait and see, you know, their, their leading receiver from last year, uh, Stephen Robinson jr. He graduated, um, but you, they do got a couple of uh, really good returners. Malik Washington, uh, 578 yards receiving last year, two TDs, and Bryce Kurtz had 200 yards receiving. Uh, and their running backs coming back, uh, Evan Hull, thousand uh, yards, seven TDs. So they've got they've they've got some firepower there as well. Um, well let's not forget either. I mean, hey, Northwestern was in the Big Ten championship game two years ago. I mean. Uh, you know they had a you know not a very good year last year, but they're they're fresh. They got they still got so you know they still got some of those guys from a couple of years ago that are hungry to get back to a, a you know a, a successful season. You know I know they I believe I think they lost to Ohio State in mm -hmm. that Big Ten. I know they were in the Big Ten championship game a few years ago, but you still got some guys on that roster right there that know what winning is and know how to know how to win. So that, you know they're going to be be hungry to get back to back to playing good ball. Yeah, and they they should have a chip on their shoulder. You know, last year uh, Nebraska wins this game fifty six to seven. So I mean, it was a bit of a beatdown. Um, you know, talking about Scott Frost, um, fifteen and twenty nine at Nebraska from twenty eighteen. But when you look at his UCF UCF uh, twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen nineteen and seven. So the the guy obviously can coach. Uh, he's he's got a coach's mind. So he's he's just got a. Uh, take some of these positives from the off season and um, build on those. And he's got to improve that defense. Uh, I think his offense will, will be improved. Uh, and I don't really see 
any way Northwestern uh, wins this game. What do you think? I I agree. I don't really see a way Northwestern wins. Um, I just don't. Um, I believe they'll have a successful year. They'll probably get a bowl game. Um, but I see them going like seven and five, not too crazy. Um, but yeah, like you said, they just lost fifty six to seven to this pretty much the same team last year. Scott Frost is. You mentioned that Northwestern is going to play with a chip on their shoulder. I'm pretty sure Nebraska will too after losing that many games that close. I I, I feel like they. I feel like Nebraska is going to win it. Yeah, I, th- I think Nebraska is going to take care of their business. But I'll tell you what, uh, it's it could be interesting. You know, the game's being played overseas. I mean, uh, you know, Northwestern – or excuse me, Nebraska is no – I know they beat down on them last year, but, I mean, Nebraska is not just a gauntlet or anything. You know, they're going to – weird things could happen. I think Nebraska will win, but, I mean, something – Keep an eye out. It's, it could be a little weird environment for being over there playing in, in Ireland. So we'll see. I'll pick. I'll I'll stick with the Cornhuskers. I think they win, but that's just. It's going to be. A, it could be a weird one. All right, real quick, got another uh, question here from Jamie Malloy. Uh, I'll let you guys weigh on this, and then I'll give mine. He asks, "Is UTEP or UTSA running the conference this year?" Uh I, I'll let Joseph. I'll let Joseph jumps in, but I mean, Trip. I know you. We talked conference USA a few times. I I got a hard time believing anybody's gonna. I, I got a hard time feeling. I got a hard time saying that if anybody's gonna snatch it from UTSA, that it's it's UTEP. I think it would be Alabama, Birmingham. If anyone's gonna take it away from UTEP, I I kind of agree. UTEP had a decent season last year. Went six and six. No, seven and five. Lost mm-hmm. in the bowl game. Boy. They have a lot going, and like I like I have established on my season preview, they can, but they do need a lot of things to go their way as well. Like UTSA has to fall off, but they did lose their head coach, I believe, Frank Wilson. I believe he left. Nice. Um, so it's a little bit of a period change. Um, I've apparently those two schools really don't like each other. I learned that on Twitter. <laughs> um, so it's. It'll be interesting. Um, I don't think UTEP will be the team that takes it away from UTSA. I agree it'll probably be UAB. But UTEP can have the next few years when UTSA goes to the eight. Well, actually, they can have the second place again once UTSA <laughs> leaves and New Mexico State comes to the conference. There you go. Uh, well, we had you know Alex Shiloh on a few weeks ago, uh, you, you know, working a UAB athletic department there, and, and I agree with both of you guys. Um, that they would be the most dangerous threat to UTSA. Uh, I'm a firm believer in UTSA. I think what they did last year was fantastic. Obviously, they lost Sincere McCormick to the NFL, but returning Frank Harris, uh, that that trio of receivers, um, that defense, I think that uh, they're going to win the the conference uh, on their way out. Uh, We talked about when we had Ashley Pickle on that she made the point that they could lose their first three games of the year and still be a better all around team than last year. You know, they open up with Houston, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be really tough. Then they go to army. And then I don't remember game three off the top of my head, but no, I think they go, I think they have Texas right after Houston. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. They, yeah. I could be wrong. I could be okay. wrong. I think yeah, they go... it could be Houston, Texas army. Yeah. You know, I have them. I have them picked to beat Texas. Um, I put that in, in one of the articles I wrote back. Um, I'm not sold on, on Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, I know he's he has uh, the knowledge, 
but he has not really shown the ability um, to to do um, like a Lane Kiffin did. You know, Lane Kiffin worked in that system, worked out on the West Coast, worked under uh, Saban just like uh, Sarkeesian has done. But uh, Lane Kiffin, I think, grew as a coach, as a person, and uh, it's really shown on the field. Sarkeesian, who he's had some success recruiting, obviously, got Manning, Arch Manning, but um, I'm not sold that uh, what he has can translate onto the field. So uh, I have UTSA in an upset, uh, not an upset in my mind, but an upset mm -hmm. uh, over Texas there. I so. agree. Hey, hey Trip, I wanted to ask you one thing before you uh, shift gears and go to go to our next game. But uh, you know, I was thinking that I was thinking about this this afternoon. You know, as doing a little show prep, I was. Are, are there some teams, you know, this, this is going back to Nebraska Northwestern. Are there some teams in college football? And, you know, I know Nebraska was, you know, in the old Big Ten, you know, uh, Big Ten, you know, went Big 12. And now they're back in the Big Ten. Is, is Nebraska one of those teams, in your opinion, that – and there's a few that I have. Is Nebraska one of those teams, in your opinion, that when they're better, it's better for college football? For some reason, I get the vibe that they are. Um, I, I think it is. I, I really think, uh, and, and you hear that comment uh, all the time, but when you have story franchises that, that have had lots of success, um, not just, um, you know, with winning um, a championship here or there, but winning multiples, having Heisman Trophy winners, um, I think it's uh, better for the game because people know, people, the casual fans who may not know, um, as much uh, about other teams, they've heard of Nebraska. They know what Nebraska. Mm -hmm. When Nebraska is good, they're going to tune in. Uh, same sort of thing. Uh, and I know a lot of people don't uh, uh, don't like Notre Dame, but when Notre Dame is good, when they're in the conversation, eyes get on them, even if it's yep. eyes wanting them to lose. Um, and so, same thing uh, when the Yankees are good, that's great for baseball. When the Lakers are good, that's great All for right. basketball. So, because they've had success in the past. People know them, associate them with, with good football. So when they are good, I think it's good for the sport because it will draw casual fans in. I just I just thought that as a, as a curious talking point because you hear that, like you said, you hear that uh, that term used a lot. There's, you know, there's certain teams throughout college football. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not a Texas fan, but I think Texas, when they're, when they're good, you know, it's better for college football. Uh, there's a few teams like that. And I just, I just, for some, I just wanted to ask you that. I, just, I felt like Nebraska might've been one of those teams that, uh, you know, when, when they're better, college football is better, but I like yeah. it. Uh, I, I agree with that. A um, couple more comments here from Jamie. He's asking what conference do you think UTSA will move to? Um, I thought that was a done deal. The AAC. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to yeah. America. Okay. And then um, he makes a good comment here um, in, about Sarkeesian. He says, is it possible that Sarkeesian was hired for the transition to the SEC, not necessarily to win their remaining Big 12 games? Uh, the thing is, I, I think maybe that's their thought process, but um, the deal is, is the SEC is much harder uh, than, the, than the Big uh, 12 is. So if that's the goal, maybe – you know, maybe by moving there and, and his connections, maybe he can recruit better. But if that's the reason, if that's Texas's reasoning, I think it's flawed reasoning. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a hard time, you know, you know, being around college athletics and everything. I would have a hard time, you know, and first and foremost, thank you, Jamie, for all these questions. They're great. I know you're one of our uh, loyal listeners and, and great uh, 
uh, great contributors here at Mental Dimes. Thanks for thanks for giving us some some good talking points. Uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming, Jamie. Uh, but I would have a hard time. You know, Chris Del Conte. You know, he's got a lot of there at Texas. He's got a lot of pressure from alumni and 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 boosters and donors. You know, he's. I feel like Texas in, is in win now mode every year. And uh, I would have a hard time believing that they would they would bring in Sarkeesian more as a as a guide to the SEC rather than than you know because if we're being honest I mean Chris Del Conte's got to know that you know he's 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 going to a harder conference for football you know you would think he's you know his best his best chance to win right is is right now before he leaves you know and, and the Big 12 is a little bit of an easier conference to win in but it, it, it's a good question um you know I think Sarkeesian you know you know, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he'll, he'll be better in the SEC. Who knows? That's a, it's a good question, but I would have a hard time seeing, seeing the athletic department hire someone to, uh, for a move down the road because what Sarkeesian's already in, in year two now and, and Texas just now announced what a few months ago that they were making the, making the jump over to the SEC. So at the time when they hired Sarkeesian, they, they didn't know if they were going to get into the SEC or not. So uh, it's a fair question. It's a good question. Yeah. I agree with T-Mac. Texas doesn't seem like the school that's going to hire someone to like kind of be a bridge to another conference. Um, just like you said, they're in win-now mode every year. They're kind of like Oklahoma. You just, you're just you not supposed to rebuild at Texas. You're supposed to reload, and that's what they're going for. Um, I don't see them ever being one of those conference schools that sits there and lets a couple years kind of rot away and then be like, but we're looking forward to this. Um that's not how college football works at Texas. That's that would be like New England hiring head coach. And like, this is this is just to get us to until we get a new quarterback, and we're going to fire and get a new one. That's yeah. not it's not something you do with your team. Lakers aren't going to get a coach to build some young players up and then fire their coach to get a new one. It, they're a team that every year they go in. I mean, they got one vote to be in the top like number one spot on the AP poll they they're one of those teams that they're going to be in the top 25 every year and they're not looking to just (laughs) waste some years away all right so one one last thing here um i'd like to bring up and this is uh this is about uh i'm sure you guys all saw this uh nick saban uh gets an eight year i think it's 96.3 million dollar deal um Obviously, the the thinking there has to be we're gonna we're gonna keep him at Alabama for the rest of his career. One, um, probably to reward him for what he's done, but uh, certainly to keep him away from any other school. Um, first of all, is Saban gonna coach for eight more years? And then, second of all, assuming he does or doesn't, um, is this a reasonable deal? Uh, he earned it. Um, it's hard to say. He called last year a rebuilding year, and they lost in the championship. <laughs> they lost in the national championship. He's insane. Um, I hate to see a good year. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? Jeez, you want to see a rebuilding year? We went two and ten, but all right. Yeah. Um, nah, he's 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 on his Tom Brady type stuff. He's just out here collecting checks. Like, <laughs> he's not gonna get fired or anything soon. Like. He could have like three straight losing seasons. I'll be like, you know, you're Nick Saban. Um, yeah, I was, more talking, I was more suggesting that maybe five years he just decides to retire. Not oh not yeah, out, no, but. no, yeah. I, I could see that as well. Like eventually, he will retire before anything. I don't see him working out the next eighty with the next eight years. He, I see 
three, four, they finally get someone in. And I see him having three years, and then he'll be one of those coaches that says he's going to retire at the end of the year. That way he can, like, build somebody up into what he wants. Man's earned it, though, and I'm getting tired of watching Alabama in the college football playoffs. Trip, you I mean, you asked the question, did he earn it? I think absolutely. You know, um, I, I know I know a lot of this, you know, we've talked many times throughout our, our 10 weeks here doing the show that about about NIL and everything. And, and, you know, you see some of these coaches getting these big deals and everything. But I will say, though, that Nick Saban, hate him or love him, he's worth every penny that he's going to get. Um, you know, eight years, 93 million. I mean, you get you got to you reward the man. I mean, he's he's taken Alabama. Alabama's been in the hunt every single year that he's uh, been at the helm. He's not going to go anywhere else. He's not going to try the NFL again. He's seventy years old. Uh, he's not going to try the NFL again. He's not going to go anywhere else. Uh, you know, Bama's. This is probably going to be this is going to be his last stop whenever he, he decides to hang in. You know, honestly, I could see Saban. Saban these last few years is is gotten a little more personality. He's shown a little bit more personality than than he used to. I could see Saban, you know, hopping on hopping on TV if he doesn't finish out that eight year deal. You know, I could see Saban jumping over, you know, maybe college game day or, or hopping on as a color analyst somewhere. You know, he's his uh, I don't know, maybe maybe not maybe not hopping on a broadcast, but but his his personality is starting to show a little bit here in his older ages. Uh, but but man, he's he's worth every penny. I I don't blame Bama for throwing throwing the bag at him, and 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 he's uh, he's definitely worth it. So a couple of my thoughts. Absolutely, he's worth it. He's earned it. Um, whatever he asks, you give him because um, what he's done, not just uh, in wins and losses, but, you know, Alabama has always been a proud program, but they they weren't the Alabama we know now before he got there. They had been mm-hmm. down. They, they were not in the national conversation. Um, and now he has uh, obviously turned it into what it's done. So you give that man whatever he wants. To your point, um, Joseph, I think um, – you know, they, they'll probably let him if he wants to pick his successor. And I think that um, probably my, my opinion, I think Lane Kiffin's that guy. Uh, I, and I don't, that's just a, a feeling I have. Um, I think that they, those two have similar, obviously coaching styles, similar personalities. And the, the one thing, reason I think that could work is you, you watch Lane Kiffin and he'll take jabs at Nick Saban throughout the season. And they're not mean spirited, but it will kind of poke the bear and doesn't really elicit a response because I think it's a, um, you know, a mutual respect between them and, and a, and a mentor mentee relationship that, that I don't know that, that Saban would accept that from anyone else. He certainly wouldn't accept it from Jimbo Fisher uh, <laughs> as we've seen. So, I mean, I think that could be the guy. And then to your point, um, T Mac about, his, his personality, I think he'd be a great fit, but how intimidating would that be for a, a young college coach to go get interviewed by Nick Saban and maybe get grilled on, you know, why this, why that? But uh, yeah, he, he, the, the future is whatever he wants it to be. Um, one suggestion here back to Jamie, he says he thinks the successor should be Bill O'Brien. So that was, that was the other name I was leaning towards after you said Lane Kiffin. Bill O'Brien has, if you want to call it success in the NFL, um, and now he's he's gotten he's in there at Alabama, and I think every year he's kind of been promoted to start as like an offensive statistics assistant and has just worked his way up to offensive coordinator. We don't know what conversations they're having. I feel like he has more conversations with 
uh, with him than uh, Lane Kiffin does. Uh, Lane Kiffin does get away with a lot, but I feel like that's because he worked under Saban, and so did uh, Jimbo, but Jimbo was also the only assistant to beat him, and he made it very well known. Um, I don't know. I see. I could see it being Bill O'Brien or Lane Kiffin. Those are the two I'm leaning towards. And they're both, and, and both those guys are, are still very, very young. You know, you got Kiffin just 47 years old and Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, just 52 years old. So they could definitely groom one of those two guys to be coming in whenever Saban's ready. But I'll tell you what, you know, Trip. I know uh, you and I have been – you know, lifelong fans of the, the Spurs as well. And and this is just kind of a – I feel like, you know, Popovich and Saban, you get all these great coaches. Those guys, you know, they're not going to hint at – they're not going to hint at when they're – you know, those those guys live their job. You know, Pop has, has lived in basketball his whole life. You know, uh, Saban's lived football his whole life. I don't think they're going to give us a hint when – now now they might be, you know, like Joseph's saying, they might be grooming Bill O'Brien, you know, Colin plays for him, you know, give him a little bit of a longer leash, you know, in case he he, he is the, the successor to Saban. But I don't think, uh, you know, media members, I don't think us in the media are going to be able to – I don't think Saban's going to hint at when he's ready to <laughs> – when he's ready to hang it up. Well, I will say I appreciate you saying uh, that the 47 and 52-year-old was young because as a 50-year-old, I, I, I appreciate there that. You go. Make you feel good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. Um, no problem. As always, uh, great. Um, we will be back next week. We'll be looking at uh, some of the big games for the following week. Uh, I know Notre Dame, Ohio State's one I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. uh, but we will see. Joseph, you're welcome to come back anytime you'd like, and we can appreciate uh, it. I can't wait to watch your, your stuff on Twitter about uh, how the game goes this Saturday. <laughs> Oh, it'll be known. It'll Joseph, be known. Joseph, let it let all the let all the listeners know what what's your what's your Twitter handle so they can come after you too. Let me let me go find it real quick. I believe it's <laughs> at I, settle one two zero zero nine. If you want the smoke on Twitter, you can come. I'll 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 let right y'all but... know. Give it to but me one more time. At settle one two zero zero nine. Let's throw it up here if anyone watching wants to. Wants to see that? There you can you can get at him at Twitter and, and talk about uh, New Mexico State, UTEP, anything in the world of college football. I'll respond. I'll respond. I'm very active on Twitter. I will respond. All right. Well, thank you guys both so much. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Until then, see ya.